Bill Curry Ford proudly presents the Scuttlebucks podcast here at JoeBucksFan.com. Right now at Bill Curry Ford, the Built for the Holidays sales event is on. Make no payments on new vehicles until the summer of 2021. Get to BillCurryFord.com and start shopping. They've got over 200 F-Series that must go be sold before January 1st. Amazing deals, and of course, they always have their nationwide lifetime warranty on new and pre-owned vehicles. Bill Curry Ford, General Manager Sean Sullivan, he's going to take care of you. BillCurryFord.com. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Against the Kansas City Chiefs, in and of itself, is not the end of the world, but some of how we arrived there feels like something to panic about. Welcome in the Scuttlebucks underway. Good to be with you. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. The voice guy told you that. The Bucks now 7-5, and five. in essence, having thrown away any chance to win the division. Uh, but the schedule begins to become very favorable for the Bucks and uh starting with a bye week and a really, really necessary bye week. They've got some things to talk about. They've got some things to analyze, some things to figure out on both sides of the ball, to say the least. But I do think answers are there. Offensively, I think answers are there, Tom. I know they got to figure out more about their identity. We're really frustrated with some of the choices. It's been beaten to death by now, but we're all well aware that they're better suited uh, with fewer receivers on the field, frankly, uh, a little too tight end set, never hurt anybody's feelings. And uh, Tom Brady, the greatest play action pastor in the history of the National Football League, should do more of it. You'd be you'd be inclined to do more of that. Yeah, you've got finger pointing going on. Yeah, uh, it's quiet, quieter than the, na- the national media is hitting on the wrong notes. But there is discord, I think, in terms of who's responsible for what. And you're seeing it in indirect ways. Uh, two mm-hmm. former great, well, one great and one pretty good quarterback, uh, great analyst, yeah. have both said that they're not really running as many Brady plays as as they probably should. Or the offense isn't focusing on Brady's strengths the way they should. I'm talking about Peyton Manning and his ESPN and Plus Tony show. Romo. And Tony Romo, who did an exceptional job of explaining yeah. the difference between the Patriots offense and the Bruce Arians offense mm-hmm. this past weekend when he said, one's a pre-snap read offense, one you have to make your reads after the snap. That's why the learning curve is so steep. Correct. And I thought he did a great job and illuminated for many uh, the situation they find themselves in. They they may have figured some things out in that second half. That also could have been circumstance where the Chiefs were in control of the game and took their foot off the gas defensively, which allowed for the Bucks to get back in the game. It did create opportunities that they took advantage of, and that's a real good sign. 
look, we know from a personnel standpoint, the Bucks have upgraded quite a bit, starting with their right tackle. Uh, these are the things that we were clamoring for when we did the Scuttle Bucks last year and the year before that, that if Jameis ever had some semblance of a running game, an offensive line that could hold up against a pass rush, that you could then throw off a play action and not make it so damn obvious that you're throwing 45 times a game in third and bad leverage, right? That's what leads to an excess of interceptions. Um, the Bucks have kind of done that. They did the right thing in the offseason, and they brought in Gronkowski, who's an incredible blocker, right? And he's also a really effective uh, – I didn't think he would be based on the way the season started. I've been totally wrong on that. Good for him. Anyhow, the point is he is a, an improvement by a lot uh, for this Bucks offense in the run game. You brought in Tristan Wirfs, who is – Maybe the rookie of the year. He is as solid as they come. Uh, strong. Marpet's having a Pro Bowl season, not when he's concussed, but when he's out there. So everything's set up perfectly from a personnel standpoint, the moves you made in the offseason. You bring in the greatest quarterback of all time, who is the best off of play action of all time. You've got Evans and Godwin. Grant you, they've been beat up. They've been injured. They've been concussed and broken fingers and everything else. But now everybody's back healthy. Everybody should be all right. And yet all too often... Here they are in the spread in the shotgun trying to do something with Antonio Brown that was never necessary. We first guessed this. We'll talk about it to Lee Kemper when he comes on the show uh, here in, in about 10 minutes. It, it, it's, it's, it's maddening because it was unnecessary, and we're just going to continue to beat that drum. It was unnecessary, but it's not hopeless. We should focus here in this first segment, Tom, because I know later when we talk to Lee, we'll talk about the relationship with Arians and Brady and who's at fault and all that other stuff. Where, what do you think? Is it Vita Via? What is it about this defense that now has fallen off to the point where they too cannot be trusted series to series? I think you, you've colored from outside the lines enough in what we've seen in the defense that Vita's silhouette appears. Mm. Um, because, it, well, but here's the other thing too. Before he got hurt, the front four wasn't exactly generating pressure by itself. Like, go back to the vintage days of the Tony Dungy Bucks defense. Yeah. They could drop seven anytime and every time they wanted. It would actually be irresponsible to rush five because you didn't need to. You bring those four, especially when they acquired Simeon uh, later in, in Tony's tenure and then obviously with, uh, with the Gruden tenure. You bring in Simeon Rice. You don't need to rush five at any point because that group can do it by itself. I don't think this group can. And that was already trending in that direction yes, before it was. Vita yeah, got good, hurt. Real good point, yeah. So that's, that's one thing where we expected to see given that JPP was returning and he didn't you know, get into a one-car crash in the preseason. He's ready to go day one, and he's a vocal leader. And then you've got Barrett in another year. you got to focus on one or the other, and you got Sue and, and V up the middle. Even that group didn't bring the pressure, and, and you couldn't get home with any consistency without Bowles dialing up exotics, getting David White involved, getting Levante David involved, getting Winfield or Jordan Whitehead or whoever. He'd bring blitzes from all types of angles, and that's how we got home in the beginning of the season. It doesn't look to me moving forward like you can rely on that front four getting home by itself. And that sucks because that is worse than what we expected to see this year. Yeah, it's devastating because what it does, it allows for average quarterbacks to light you up. And it's also shocking. And I'll tell you why it's shocking. Because 
They faced a Hall of Fame quarterback, and they completely baffled him, shut him down, embarrassed him, and made him quit. My man Aaron Rodgers was quitting in the third quarter, maybe second quarter of that game. That's because they roughed him up. They created really difficult passes for him. He had to move off his spot incessantly. Now, he can do that as good as anybody. But but alas, they dominated the great Aaron Rodgers to the tune of 170 yards. Whatever it, whatever. Was, it was yeah. less than 200 yards passing. Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Most right? everything in the first quarter of that game. Yeah. That's right. It was all of those crossers, those man beaters that he did in the first drive. After that, he got basically nothing. Which teams can run on the Bucks quite consistently. Uh, and they do. So... My problem is that from there, Daniel Jones threw the ball all over us. Patrick Mahomes threw for 462. I'll forgive it because that's what the hell he does. But uh, Derek Carr threw the ball all over us. We made Goff look like a Hall of Famer, and he's usually terrible on the road. He threw it 100 times. We're making every quarterback look yeah. really, really good. Yeah, so I, I think if you just looked at it generally speaking, you would say, well, the Bucks are stopping the run without Vita, so how valuable is he? I, no, there, there's eh, more to it. He than opens that. up the pass rush on the edge because the double team's in the middle. Well, he also creates interior pressure himself, which we're not seeing as much. Uh, and, and that's a huge facet. When you've got really good quarterbacks right. like Breeze and Rodgers and others like Pat Mahomes, interior pressure messes with their timing and everything and their footwork more than exterior pressure does. Because if they see it before the snap and you've declared it, well, they can either block it up or they, they know, I'm Aaron Rodgers, I have to account for the rusher on the edge. So then the clock ticks and they know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You bring in interior pressure, the clock's all messed Changes up. everything, you're right. And that's where you miss Vita it's called big havoc. time. Also creating lanes, creating lanes and opening them up for yeah. the aforementioned Levante, David, and Devin White in blitz situations because he's going to take on double teams. So, yes, to answer the initial question, Vita has been critical and we're only learning how critical he is to everything the Bucks do without him. Yeah, and we knew he was good. I mean, we knew he was one of the very, very best nose guards in all of football. I mean, you, you knew that that was a guy that uh, demanded a double team in most situations. Yep. and Makes Sue better. Well, it changes. It yeah. changes the game. And, and, and so, so when you have him there uh, over the center, you, I mean. But where, where it helps uh, or hurts you, if you can get home or not get home, is this group, this secondary, is fine if they can sit on the route that breaks it 10 to 12 yards. Right. When they're bringing pressure and they assume the pressure is going to get home, they sit down very well. It's Well, it's how Dean scored. Yeah, that's right. And it's how they scored two pick six. To, well, mm-hmm. they didn't get in the second time they get to the two-yard line. Yeah. But, yes, that's how you jump Aaron Rodgers and make him look like a clown. Yeah. Because you get home in those pressures. But those pressures have become more predictable. And then Bowles has gotten scared a little bit. He's dropped back into coverage more often. Well, he doesn't it's trust like, his cover guys, man. You know, you're only going to rush three against Mahomes. You might as well, only, you might as well not rush anybody. What's yeah. the point? Drop eight. Drop eight. <laughs> drop nine. Drop ten. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cares? Because that's just, that's just dumb policy. Well, this was not his best day at the office, and I've been high on Todd Bowles for a while. I think he's a very smart football coach. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. I think he'll have a job in the league for a very, very long time. It was not his best day. He's had a couple tough days. Again, I don't think he trusts his personnel, and and we're at a place now where he's trying to protect them a little too much. Uh, look, you got guys that can play man. You got guys that basically are physically gifted enough to play man. You're going to give up some big plays when you do that, but I, I believe they are those guys. When you play back in a zone like that, any halfway def- decent quarterback, let alone a future Hall of Famer, is going to tear you to bits. Yeah, well, he's not protecting Carlton Davis uh, because he put him on an island against Tyree. I mean, Tyree goes for 200 in the first quarter. It's embarrassing. Can you not do that? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's two things. 
we would focus on that and say, oh, man, you got to get got to clean that up. If the offense could do what it's supposed to freaking do and uh, move the ball. I was just about to bring up the fact that you can't go three and out three straight times against the best offense in football because when you do that, then obviously your defense is left exposed and tired. That's but you, not good. You saw it in certain circumstances in which they were able to. I don't think you're always able to do this based on motion or formation, but they were able to double both Kelsey and Hill. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. they pointed it out late, like four late, or five times. Yeah, later on they did that, yeah. Yeah, and you take your chances with me, Cole, or Sammy Watkins, Kurt, or sure. Robinson, yeah. or... And, and Watkins will beat you sometimes. It's going to happen. It's going to... And Mahomes will beat you. Cause oh, well, that's because... He'll put he, it in yeah. a football-sized window. He's the best player years. in the league, sure. Right. But you're, you're, I like your chances better. I like your chances better if Tyreek isn't in singles. And that's where... What the hell are you doing? That's as fundamentally bad as the offenses looked in the first half most of the time the last month. You know, it's funny. Uh, we all do this. We all consume the NFL... Uh, in a lot of ways, you watch it on Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays these days. <laughs> you watch it, you consume it that way. Then maybe you listen to a podcast like the Scuttlebucks. Maybe you listen to a lot of NFL-related podcasts, uh, sports podcasts in general. We all do that. We do that for our living just because we like it. It's, it's, it's interesting to get different viewpoints. You know, all that. I'll tell you something. Since we've last done this podcast, I've probably heard 15 different types of analysts, former players, former coaches, just analysts in general who cover the league and are respected for the last 20 years. They, unanimously, the, the, the running, the through line, the theme for all of them were like, damn, man, why, why do you hate Corey Davis so much? Yeah, Carlton. Yeah. Carlton Davis. I said Corey. Yeah, why do you hate Carlton Davis so much? He is so Corey much? now. That's his new name when he gets burned. But, but listen, they were all like, you can't do that to the man. That's yeah. just wrong. And it's funny because there were humorous takes on that, and then there were very serious takes on the the implementation of that strategy and calling into question why you would do that. It's not like you don't have an overabundance of film to show that you cannot do that. Well, and, and look what it does to his psychology. How many times was he playing even softer after oh, that? And yeah. how many times could he come down, trigger, and make a tackle, and he didn't? No. And he escorted whoever it was to the sideline and to, and to the stick. Scared to he, death. He did it to Mahomes, even yeah. when Mahomes stretched out for a first down. Yeah, yeah you scared him. Yeah. You broke him in that game. That's That's terrible. That can never happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hall of Fame receivers, as much as I hate that particular one, uh, because of off-the-field stuff, folks, uh, do that to people. Jerry Rice broke people's soul. I mean, it happens. Randy Moss does that to people. But it's made more possible when you leave them in singles. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's like you know that you can double him. We've yeah. seen the evidence that you know hey, that you can. Hey, look at what teams are doing to Tom Brady right. with a two-deep. They're like, yeah, we're going to make sure we shade some guys to help against Evans and Godwin. Oh, he looks like ass down the field. the hell is that, Tom? Some of the decisions, too. You're like, what are you looking at? And I don't – listen, you can trust Bruce. I don't always trust Bruce that Tom is calling the plays. Or you can look at you can look at Tom and just say maybe he doesn't have it anymore. Looking down the field with uh, some of the decisions he's making. I don't making. think that's true. Early in the year, he threw the ball down the field really well. Are you worried that his arm is getting weaker? Because I'm not. Well, I'd say even in the good example of the post Antonio Brown acquisition era, this little five six game stretch, whatever yeah. it is, even against Carolina, he was missing dudes left and right. Oh, like, he's what not. Is that? He's not always hitting guys. That there's no doubt, but. There are very few quarterbacks. That's a low percentage throw. Very few quarterbacks make that throw the percentage we'd like as fans for them to hit on. I, I, I don't think – now, he's a great player, all-time great, so you go into every game with the expectation that you're watching the GOAT, therefore he ought to hit those plays. I agree. Some of those have been nothing to do with arm strength, though, and everything to do with not being on the same page with Antonio Brown, not on the same page with Gronk early in the year. I'm not necessarily talking about the fastball, just his arm. His arm talent looks fine, especially yeah. to start most games. Yeah. I'm talking about the confidence of seeing it 
and be yeah, able yeah, to react yeah. to it. But they're not on the time. same page. This is what we're talking about within the offense. I thought they had something going there down the field with Scotty Miller. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Scotty Miller might be the solution. It's like, well, what do we do with Antonio now? It's like, well, hey, a holes, let him sit on the bench, or use him less. Lita Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com, going to join us next. Before we do, I should note that our good friend, Sean Sullivan, he's the man for you. He's going to help you buy an all-new Ford. He will come out, talk to you. You guys can lament about the Bucks, or you can celebrate perhaps what you think is about to happen for the Bucks. The point is he'll help you personally seven days a week. Give him a call, or you can email him. Visit Sean inside the beautiful Bill Curry Ford showroom one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Ask for that Scuttlebucks discount. As for that Joe Bucks fan discount, you'll make it happen. First family of four. That's right. Bill Curry Ford for the last 60 years. Get shopping today at BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. There it is. That means my man, Lee DeKemper. JoeBucksFan.com, the website. He joins us right now. The Bucks have lost three of four, and people are angry. Lee, how are you, brother? Yes, I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for asking I uh, or suggesting. Yeah, same to you, buddy. Did you meet up with your buddy that you found out uh, was living there in uh, Clearwater after all these years? You hang out again? After all those years. Yeah, it was a few years ago when I found out. But, yeah, I lived in Florida for uh, about 20 years. And he himself, and we didn't know we were just a few miles away from each other. And, uh, and matter of fact, at one point in the same building. And we worked in the same building and didn't know it until, you know, just a few years ago. But, yeah, I met up with him, and uh, we had Thanksgiving. It was always great. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. All right. Let's talk about the uh, the mess the Bucks find themselves in. I'm not panicked. I think you did a little thing on uh, JoeBucksFan.com, not to trivialize mm-hmm. it in any way, uh, where you were talking about um, – you know, being in crisis mode, but you haven't been in full-on panic. I'm paraphrasing. I, I, I'm not looking at the article just yet. <laughs> I, think right. I think that's what she said. And uh, yeah. and and the point would be, I'm there with you. I, I, I think they've got to find this identity that's been elusive. And I think it's right there before them. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse because Tom and I have the vast majority of this show to say what we think about what the mm-hmm. Bucks are doing. And we've spent a lot of time for weeks now saying it was a dumbass move to bring A.B. in. I would have told Tom Brady no. Uh, secondly, ever since they've done it, they've tried to be something that they're not. They spend way too much time spreading things out in the shotgun and doing dumbass things like not running the ball, all that stuff. But there's a lot of blame to go around. And I'm sure you're getting it on the website and reading everything that people have to say. It, it, let me gauge here. The vast majority of this anger is directed at Bruce Arians. You got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Uh, 
Tell me why you think that might not be fair. Well, and Arians has been saying this for some time, not just recently. He's been saying for some time, hey, and matter of fact, he said this with Jameis as well, come to think of it, that when they craft a game plan for a week, for a game, the week of the game, they'll, you know, left which Arians will come up with a series of plays and they'll present it to the quarterback. It was Jameis, now it's Brady. What do you like? What do you don't like? And what you don't like, we will take out of the game plan. We will not use it. Okay, that's fair. And in recent weeks, you know, Arians has been saying, hey, Brady's calling the plays. Brady comes to the sidelines, looks over the playbook, he looks over the defense, looks over the information and the data that they have, and then he kind of chooses a, a, a battle plan for the next series. So Arians, unless you're under the assumption, not you yourself, Jeff, but in theory, if, uh, in general, if you're under the assumption that uh, Arians is some kind of uh, backstabber, everything he's saying, it sounds like it's Brady's offense. And this is exactly what Chris Sims, former Bucks quarterback, works for NBC Sports now. This is what he's been saying for weeks. And Chris Sims, say what you will about him, but he worked with Brady at the Patriots. He One season, although it was more than most people, he was an assistant coach on the offensive side of the ball with the Patriots. Worked with Brady, worked with Belichick. He said this offense, it's all what Brady wants to do. Now, it's not a Patriots offense, but he said, you know, everything Aaron saying, Sims says it's accurate. And on top of that, Sims, I thought, and I wrote about this earlier this week on JoeBucksFan.com, and it seemed like it, it went over everybody's head. I don't mean to be derogatory by saying that. But Sims said, I know Brady wanted Antonio Brown. I don't have to think it. I know it. Whoa. And, well, he's got pretty good sources, let's be honest, him and his dad. So that was, like, intriguing. We all know Aaron didn't want Antonio Brown. We all know that. He said that, you know, prior to the season. And I'm not a big co- – I don't believe in coincidences in the NFL. I just don't. And when first I heard people say, well, you know, they didn't play well against the Giants with Antonio Brown here – I scoffed at that, like, ah, it's one game, that's Brown, Arians isn't that crazy to try to completely change an offense because it's just got one guy. Well, now we've got four games under our belt with Antonio Brown on the roster, and all four games the Bucks struggled offensively. Again, I don't believe coincidences. So it sure smells like the chemistry, not so much the locker room chemistry, but the on-field chemistry, the, the, the uh, focus of the team, what they want to do offensively, certainly has changed since Antonio Brown's been here. Now, I know, I'm not going to blame Antonio Brown. I mean, he, they wanted him. They, they came and got him. So it's not technically Antonio Brown's fault. You want to pin it on Arians? You want to pin it on Brady? My biggest problem with Arians and this whole thing is, if you believe Arians, that Brady's calling the long ball, Brady's in charge of the offense, Brady's running an offense that is not working when it should be in a two-tight end formation and pounding the ball more, well, someone's got to be the adult in the room and say, Tom, no, take your hand out of the cookie jar. You're about ready to have dinner. Don't ruin your dinner. You, Bruce Arians, should be that adult. You're the head coach. Well, yes, I think this is perfectly explained. I, you, You're right. Uh, you won't say that it's Antonio Brown's fault because it can't be. Uh, Antonio Brown needed money. Uh, Antonio Brown... Ruined his life. Antonio Brown got a call from the Bucks because, for whatever reason, Tom Brady is in love with Antonio Brown. 
Antonio Brown said, yeah, I'll take two point whatever million dollars. Good Christ, I could use the money. Uh, he comes in, he's a football player, you know, whatever. He's doing what he's supposed to do. They should have never brought Antonio Brown in. Arians should have stuck by his guns instead of acquiescing and kowtowing to Tom Brady. But he didn't. He caved, and he allowed Antonio Brown to come in. And that's why you saw that god-awful display that night against the Giants where they were thrown to some receiver nobody's ever heard of 18 times because they were trying. That was the position that Antonio Brown was going to be playing. They were figuring out a ratio. Mm -hmm. They were figuring out an offense. And we screamed at the top of our lungs on Joe Buck's fan, this is stupid. And so that's Mm -hmm. where we were. That's where we are. I'll bleep that out. The point is that has been the case since then, and nobody has been the adult in the room to say, well, why don't we just kind of go back to what we were doing before where it appeared that we were developing an identity, where we had good chemistry with the receivers that we had. Hey, nobody likes Scotty Miller more than Tom Brady did coming out of camp, and he had developed mm-hmm. a relationship with him, and he was down the field to Scotty Miller that was beginning to work out, and guess where that's gone? To the bench in favor of Antonio Brown, and now nothing down the field works all that consistently, and for whatever reason, they can talk about how obvious it is that you have to throw the ball off a of play action. Tom Brady's entire career, he's been the best quarterback in the league throwing off a of play action. But you can't throw off a of play action when you're in the shotgun and the spread. Because there's nobody mm-hmm. in the backfield for them to have to respect. So this isn't that hard. But Arians allowed for it to happen. Brady's ego has gotten in the way. This is, let's find out again, go back to what we were and play football. Now, flip it, other side of the ball, what's going on there? Is it that the offense is so bad early in games that they're on the field incessantly? Has it been that they've played an uptick in competition and that maybe that is also rooted there? Vita Via's absence is obviously killing them in a lot of ways. Uh, But what are your thoughts on that side of the ball? Because at the beginning of this year and through much of the first half of the season, we were elated with Todd Bowles. That's beginning to wane. Your thoughts? Uh, Todd Bowles. It's, it's all in Todd Bowles. Now, if you want to get uh, micromanaged here, you're like, okay, Jamel Dean got hurt. Oh, all right, I get that. Now that he's playing so great, that might mean Sean Murphy, but he's on the field more. He seemed to have taken a step back, as has Dean. So, okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. They're not getting enough pressure. That could be partially because of Vita Vea. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Todd Bowles. He came up with two awful game plans. He adjusted maybe two points. Well, not maybe. He did adjust too late. When he did adjust, they played better. But when you come out of the gate two games in a row, your game plan on defense, your plan of attack is absolutely atrocious. That the other team, you know, they made Jared Goff look like, well, like Brady. And uh, he boat raced them. And, of course, my gosh, what happened with uh, with Pat Mahomes and uh, Gita Hill. And Mahomes even said, pardon me, after the game, they never saw anybody defend them the way Bowles did initially. Um, well, yeah, because it stunk. It stunk, that's why. Uh, my issue with Bowles, and specifically going back to the Rams game, you know, Aaron said, well, we made adjustments to the halftime defensively. Halftime? What you wait to halftime for? I, I'll never forget Greg Shannon jokingly. Someone asked him about making defensive adjustments. And he jokingly, you know, specifically halftime adjustments. And Piano jokingly said, halftime is for eating bananas and going to the bathroom. You adjust all the time. He got killed by fans. How dare he mock halftime adjustments? I got his point right away. His point was, you don't adjust right away, you're doomed. That's what happened with Bulls. I don't know why they waited until halftime, but they did. And by that time, it was too late. 
By that time, the Rams already had a lead. And oh, by the way, currently, Sean McVay is 32-0 when he has a halftime lead. That's not a coincidence. That's, that's coaching. So I blame the defense. I blame it specifically on Todd Bowles. Uh, he tried to gamble too much against the Chiefs. He got fried. He tried to single coverage Tyreek Hill. I don't know where he got that idea from. Carlton Davis is good. He's not He's not Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I'll forgive a bit of what I saw against the Chiefs because you're talking about transcendent talent in both of those True. individuals. Uh, Mahomes does that to a lot of people. He's unreal. Uh, he's the only quarterback in the league. Well, Aaron Rodgers does it too that drifts in the pocket some 15 yards off his plant foot and then flicks of the wrist 80 yards downfield. There aren't too many people that can do that. And no, there's certainly no, not too many human. people that can run as fast as Tyreek Hill runs and adjusts on a ball on the fly. So I'll forgive a little bit of that. This is all to say this. The bye couldn't come at a better time. I mm-hmm. think the Bucks are going to win their remaining games, frankly. And I actually think the Bucs are going to be one of the last teams on earth anybody wants to play going into the playoffs because I do believe they've begun to figure it out. Maybe they've had to hit their head into the wall one too many times for our liking. But my guess is having a chance to sit down, digest, over the bye, lick your wounds, look at tape, talk a little bit about what you are and what you are not and how to proceed moving forward. There are a lot of smart guys in the room a lot of veterans in the room, and I think there are a lot of good football players on this team. My guess is the Bucks are going to be just fine. Do you share that sentiment or no? That's certainly my hope. I don't know, and there's a couple of reasons why I say I don't know. Uh, but here's one reason, and no one outside of maybe Brady, Jason Light, and Bruce Arians know this. We don't know what kind of power the Bucks promised Brady to lure him to Tampa. It's starting to smell like, the way Arians is talking, it's starting to smell like, Tom, you'll have final say of the offense. Come to Tampa. You can do whatever you want to do. You know, we won't get in your way. We'll, put, we'll, we'll even put a clause in your contract. You've got the final say uh, on how the offense is run. They're not going to talk about that publicly, of course. I've never been told that, never heard that. But it would not shock me if that was part of the, the carrot to get Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. That we'll give you, we can't give you control of the personnel. We'll give you control of the offense. Is that a deal? Is that good enough? Because you know, in negotiations, you know this as well as anyone, Jeff. In negotiations, you try, you shoot high, and hope someone agrees with that. And they don't. Well, then you go a little bit lower. It very well could be, and I'm speculating, of course. It very well could be Brady's like, well, I want control of personnel on the offense. Oh, we can't do that, but we'll give you control of the offense. Out, you, we'll give you final say. Who plays? Who doesn't? What calls are made? That's all up to you. Again, that's pure speculation. But I wonder if that is part of the reason. Like I said, you know, a slob on the couch can see that they need to run the ball more. Uh, a drunk in a bar can see it. How come guys making millions of dollars can't see that? Who have access to a hell of a lot more data and information and videotape than the drunk in the bar or the slob on the couch? So that's what kind of makes me wonder. I wonder if this is all, if Arians is absolutely right. If this is all Brady. You know, Brady's calling every shot. I don't know that, but it makes me wonder. Well, ultimately, that blame would always fall at the feet of the head coach if you think he has any power at all. I understand what you're saying, if that power has been usurped or promised elsewhere. But at the same time, Tom Brady is about one thing. 
Uh, well, one thing on the field, off the field, he's about selling all kinds of nonsense, TB12 crap. But on the field, he's yeah, on the field, he's about winning football games. That's his whole career. That's he's obsessed with winning. So my guess is he's not going to continue to sabotage an offense that would work better doing some of the things we're suggesting now and that all the statistics point to as well. And I would appreciate it next time, sir, if you did not insult me by noting to our listeners that I'm a slob on the couch and a drunk at a bar. That's just cruel and unusual on your part. Oh, I'm included in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think he'll sabotage the Bucks. I think this, the ship will sail. We'll be okay. We'll talk next week. Good talking to you, Lee. Be well. Same here, Jeff. Have a good one. All right, Bye. you too. Yeah, be good. Uh, yeah. Bill Curry Ford, General Manager Sean Sullivan. He's serious when it comes to his love for the Bucks and the Bucks fans. He'll help you personally seven days a week. Give him a call, email him, visit Sean inside the beautiful Bill Curry Ford showroom. That's one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. You can ask for the Scuttlebuck slash Joe Bucks fan discount. Sean Sullivan will truly do everything he can to try to help you at Bill Curry Ford. That's the family service you can expect from Bill Curry Ford, and they've been honored by Ford headquarters many years now. Incredible customer care. That's Tampa's first family of Ford for the past 60 years. In fact, get shopping today at BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. Just checking my microphone once as I test your audio. Increase the bass response, hoping the speakers blow. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Let us further vet some of what Lee said there. My argument is going to be that, fine, you can say that Tom Brady is calling the plays. He's doing so within the context of Bruce Arians' offense. This is not New England's offense. So Brady may have final say when he comes to the sideline and talks about what they want to run against what look on the next drive. He may have final say during the course of the week as they implement the game plan as to which plays he wants to run and why. But it's under the umbrella of Bruce Arians' offense. It's not Tom Brady's offense. It's not the offense he ran in New England. That much is obvious. So I still blame Bruce Arians. It would speak to the interceptions that every one of his great quarterbacks have had to endure in year one of running that offense. This guy the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, is not immune to that because he's running that offense, not his offense. Yeah, that's why I'd say that I don't think there's a contractual clause or something that says that Brady has final say in the offense. If he did, he would make Evans and Godwin and everybody else come up to speed with what he knows rather than you know delve into what Bruce and Byron. Correct. Are, he wouldn't have broken into the wrong person's house trying to get the playbook. Right. Because me, he'd be delivering the playbook. That is correct. So what, what Lee said, I'm not accusing Lee of anything, just to make this clear. Yeah, sure, Tom Brady can tell, just as Jameis was allowed to, and apparently a lot of quarterbacks around the league. That's true in college, too, by the way. If, if, if under the umbrella of 
this is our offense. This is what we like on second and long. This is what we like on third and short. This is what we do against this look or that look, right? Okay, fine. You've got a lot of options as to what you want to run against those looks with certain personnel. You make decisions based on what you like, what you don't like within those options. But that is still Bruce Arians' playbook. So that alone is really quite silly. Now, at the same time, in fairness, uh, the man has had an illustrious career, and eventually when people do figure out the offense, it does work. So he's not a buffoon in that sense. But what they had going were elements of the Bruce Arians offense that worked best and was best suited for Tom Brady and the personnel the Bucks have, which was, again, running the ball more effectively, choosing to run the football not predictably, that's on Byron Leftwich always calling a run on first down. But running the ball as a point of emphasis is important because it allows you to utilize your personnel best. Two tight ends, throw off a play action, etc. That's what they got to go back to. Instead of trying to force feed and ratio all this stuff. And, no, man, let's get back to what we were doing. Yeah, I think the answer is both. You have uh, a coach, a coordinator, well, actually all three then, and a quarterback all conspiring to torpedo the middle part of the season with the idea, with the shared goal and vision that by the time they get to the playoffs, the Bucs are in a position where that offense is a well-oiled machine, and that's still possible. And that's That's what I'm arguing is going to happen. I I think it's going to happen. But what you have in in some is a war of words, and this is true. This is more important to me than Bruce Arians talks tough about Brady's mistakes. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. And that's something for get up and first take and all that crap that's on TV, right? What's more important to me is Bruce saying, no, 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 don't look at me, look at him when it comes to the play calling. That is much more important. And Bruce is on the record saying, well, Brady's calling the plays. It's kind of like when Dirk Cutter was too small to say that, uh, what's his face, Um, the offensive coordinator, and his brother coaches at Army. um, He's like, well, he ran the Bucs offense. He didn't call it, I mean, what do you think of how he called the game? Well, he called the Bucs offense, so... You know? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That Munkin. was hilarious. Munkin. Munkin. Brad Munkin, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or what? Todd. Todd Munkin. Oh, whatever. Munkin. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So Munkin calls the plays, yeah. and they have a great week, and the press is like, so what do you think about that? Well, he called the Bucks offense. He called the Bucks offense, right. Screw you, pal. Yeah. Same thing here, where, where Bruce is like, so what's going wrong with the offense, Bruce? Is it the play calling? Because a lot of people are saying that you guys aren't in too tight enough, that you guys are spreading it out too much. Well, Tom's calling the plays. Stop. Stop. Yeah, he's calling the plays. It's 100% on you not to be small in that moment. 100% on you. Whether or not you have been usurped, which he was for Antonio Brown, we all agree on this. That's not some breaking news. He was neutered in that moment. We all know that. Yeah. It's still on you to be the bigger guy in that moment. You can't hang him out to dry. That is where you will cause problems between you two. Yeah, and he's the head coach ultimately. I mean, they're not firing Tom Brady. So, I mean, this is... Yeah, the concern I have is it's twofold. Number one... This is an unnecessary experiment. It always was. And even if you want to get away from the fact that Antonio Brown, the world would be better off without Antonio Brown in it, it's still weird to plug him in knowing what we know about how often you have to use him in the offense, how much Brady seems to be uh, loyal to Antonio Brown. It's a weird Next, thing. It's just you you were humming along towards having an identity. The, the fear I have, the way it's playing out, it looks like they're trying to get this in line for next year or something. Because if you're trying to do this and, and do a crash course in seven or eight games worth of football with the idea that you're going to be good by the playoffs, there also has to be an end game into next season. Like, why would you go through all this nonsense? 
only to be the fifth or sixth team in the wild card. You don't even get a home game, and you don't even get the NFC East, which should be the goal at this point. You lost the division. You screwed up that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Let's go play the Giants or Washington or Philly, whoever comes out of that division. Right. Because that's a free win on the way towards round two of the playoffs. couple things here. I do think that there are elements of what they're doing that will benefit them greatly next year. And my thought is, and I understand your concerns about the salary cap and reduced monies. Gotcha. My, my thought, though, is that this is a two-year effort. Now, if you can win it in year one, by all means, win it in year one, and there you go. Save yourself the uh, the angst of, of having to do it in the following season because when you brought him in, you were in essence bringing him in for for a two-year run at a Super Bowl. So if you win it in year two, we're not going to bitch. It'll be okay. I mean, you'll, you'll take that Super Bowl championship and say, well, the experiment worked. Obviously, if you don't, we'll say that was a mistake. Okay, got it. I can live with some of that. I think the only point I'll make here is I really do think – they're going to have this figured out. The schedule sets up really nice for them. Tom Brady knows he's old. Tom Brady knows this is it. He wants to win a championship. He's not going to just continue to beat his head against the wall. But the Bucks already kicked the crap out of bad defenses. I don't know how much we'll have learned. You know, you'll have to see it. Like, let's just say that they run the table and they put themselves in a position for top wild card because the Rams continue to stumble, right? And so they face the East in round one of the playoffs. That's the best-case scenario mm-hmm, outside of mm-hmm. uh, New Orleans losing out. You don't know. Like I, Even at that point, round two of the playoffs, I won't commit to the fact that the offense is better Like that, because every time they face a good defense, they look like crap. And even this past weekend against Kansas City, that's not a good defense. Hell's wrong with you with that first-half effort. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, but I don't know that we'll be able to say that because, yes, you're right, getting wins over Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, and Atlanta again – will not confirm for you that they're humming along and are going to have no problems. But the playoffs are always a different animal. Whether you're going to be facing by definition, well, unless you face an NFC East team like you pointed out, but most years, by definition, you're going to be playing somebody who's a pretty well-rounded, balanced team. They're good because they wouldn't be in the playoffs otherwise. So you're going to deal with that either way. I will say, though, if you've developed the chemistry and the play calling is more in line with what we think suits yeah. The personnel that they, they'll be in the best possible spot they can be. In. Well, they can get it right one out of four. They did against the Panthers, and not just because you see the points. Look at the way that game was played. Look oh, at the way they used the yeah. run. Look at the way they had double tights. Antonio Brown was a facet of the game plan, not a linchpin ratio of the game plan. And it may end up working out that Antonio Brown can be a linchpin part of the game plan, and it works and it's productive. It might. Yeah, I, I he think he looks it might. fresh. His body looks good to He's go. He's in shape. Yeah. He's in shape. But still, it's just. This experiment sets you back. It puts you back in the preseason, and it looks very much like this offense is in the preseason. My question about next year is, if this is a two-year project, then they're going to resign him. Why yeah. would you bring him in for just this year? Oh, I won't be happy about that, Tom, but yeah, if it, we're, we got to remove ourselves and our personal thoughts on him. I have. And separate it from what, you know, what they're thinking in terms of going to win a Super Bowl and how who best helps them do that. To me, their goal, obviously come hell or high water, is to win a Super Bowl. So they're not looking at it as, you know, there's no moral clause in their mind. They're like, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, it's the same thing the Chiefs do when they go on and win Super Bowls with that monster at wide receiver, right? They don't seem to be worried about it. They're cruising on. I think that's, unfortunately, 99% of the league. Uh, That's just, that's what, League of Mercenaries, as we say. Uh, Final thing here as we wrap it up, I don't think we're having this level of angst and frustration in Tampa if 38-3 to didn't happen. 
See, the last two losses are to good football teams by three points. Yeah. That ain't the end of the world. Now, I know the way it looked, and I understand there are elements of the losses that get you angry. Me too. I'm with you. We've complained about them. But 38-3 to was the Kickstarter to losing three of four. You humiliated yourself in prime time, and the nation scoffed. Brady's worst loss in his career, and yeah. statistically. That's fresh on the mind the next time you get a chance to perform in a primetime game, and you lose that one too. I'll grant you by three points, but you do. You lose that. So now it's like, God, dog, guys, every time you get a chance to show the nation we figured it out, you'll lose the game. And that includes a humiliation to kickstart all of this problem. So I, I, I think if, this, if the Bucks had lost to the Saints 21-20, and it was a well-played game, you'd say, well, they've played three good teams. They've lost to those three. That's a problem. If you're going to try to win a Super Bowl, you've got to win some of those. But you wouldn't be hitting the panic button, or the fan base wouldn't be hitting the panic button quite as bad. No, to me, it, it starts and ends with the offense. And, and one more footnote, Antonio. I don't, I don't care about the personal stuff. I'm just saying you wouldn't bring him in and go through all these rigmaroles unless you thought if he does well enough, they're, they're going to pick him up next year. Because you'd want to continue that evolution yeah. of, of what well, your we'll offense see. is. I mean, I don't know where there'll be other suitors who are willing to spend a lot more than the Bucks can. Sure, sure. But for me, it starts and ends with the offense because Mahomes is going to do that. Tyree Kills yeah. can do that even if you have a good game plan, right? Because then that just opens up Kelsey and they get chunks over the middle of the field. So they're going to score. It's not a problem for me watching that game last weekend if it's 17-10 to 10 in the second quarter. And you got a shootout on your hands. The offense looked like such ass, though. Yeah, the Again, first three possessions of the game, they could that, not move it at all. That is where it starts and ends. The defense is going to be a little bit more streaky than we had hoped earlier in the year. Yeah. But that's also... Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. All right, that's going to happen. You know, they're going to put up 17 and a half against just about anybody, let alone. Yeah, but I don't need them to give up 200 plus yards in a quarter. The Bucs are always on the wrong end of crazy NFL record setting days. It's ridiculous. I agree, but if the offense doesn't look like complete shite, yeah. then you're in a position where it's a one score game and who cares? And they messed around. See, that's a three point final. That's not how the game was played. That's not the flow of the game. We well, got our asses handed to us for the bulk of it. For, well, but now we're not doing, you know, uh, Kansas City Chiefs uh, podcast because if we did, we'd have a lot to complain about with their head coach. That was unbelievable what he did. He, he was a coward. He, he was a coward until he wasn't when they throw twice in situations you should never throw in. Okay, then he was a moron consistently. How about that? Uh, that's a better choice. That's a better choice. Yeah, if I had that guy, it's like having a Ferrari and going 30 miles per hour. What are you yeah. doing, man? Uh, okay, so Put the moment... Put your foot on the gas and bury us. The moment they call the toss pass... Kelsey to Mahomes end zone play on the first drive. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, then this is most certainly fourth down, four down territory. You wouldn't call that play no, unless yeah, you, yeah. and you kick from a foot from, to go. Well, you should never do that anyhow. But yes, and then they have the well, fourth and short never. later. I mean, what are you doing? You uh, can put yeah. that game away. That's the, Andy Reid is the only reason that was a 27-24 final. He's the only reason. They got their butts handed to him again. Well, we were able to get a little bit of pressure, and and let's give credit where credits due. The 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 strip sack changed the game. Uh, and he gave the Bucks a chance, and we've been clamoring for Shaq Barrett to do something, anything, and he finally did, and it was a big moment. They're going to have to do that. they got to get home, man. They haven't been able to get home when yeah. they finally did. It changed the game, and I do think they discovered something. They began to hum on offense there. There's a stretch where they're really moving the ball well, and, you know, it's good to see Mike Evans score a couple times from somewhere outside the one-yard line. I mean, that's important. That's also dynamic to watch. Well, they don't, they're not on the same page. If you're Scotty Miller, you know, you'll sit for Antonio Brown. He looks happy to do so. But if you're Evans and Godwin, you're like, so you really need – you looked at this situation and you thought you needed that guy? Why? I, I mean, think, at some point, yeah. you have to think that. It's only human nature. Perhaps, but I would argue if I'm Tom Brady, no, I looked at Scotty Miller and thought we needed Antonio Brown. 
I can't argue with that. I mean, Scotty Miller's what he is. It's only one ball to go around. Yeah, I know, offense. I know, I know, I know. But Godwin you, can't do what he's supposed to do if, yeah. you're, if you're running three wide all the damn time. Actually, when Evans came up lame, I thought, is this going to work out better for the Bucs? <laughs> no, seriously, that you only have two of those guys yeah, on the field. Yeah. Like, does it work out formationally? Do they feel like they have to play with all three of them on the field? Yeah, you don't. That's the thing because you've got – listen, you're playing with house money with Antonio Brown. He can't say a damn, yeah. damn thing. Just tell him to sit his ass over there and they rotate don't. it. I mean, there, there you go. All right, I think they're going to be fine. The bye week couldn't have come at a better time. Good work out of you. And thanks to Lita Kemper as well. And thanks to all of you for listening. Go Bucks. It's going to be all right, I think. I'm a little frustrated. You're a little frustrated. We're all a little frustrated. It's going to be all right. The results will be fine. But we'll, well, we but won't how know the they substance play. Well, that's why we do this show. You and I will talk about how they play, not just the results.